Well, all year we're focusing on learning the way of Jesus, which means we're asking the question, if the gospel is true, how then should we live? What's next, in other words? And so uh, we've been working through a very famous teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 in the Bible. And this sermon series has been called The Unexpected Way. So the teaching of Jesus, as we've said for the last three months, leads to a whole new gospel-centered ethic or a cross-shaped way of life. And the way of Jesus is totally different than all of the other religions and philosophies in the world. And at every turn, it seems as if the way of Jesus is the last thing that we would expect. But if it's followed, it's the only thing and the only way that has the power to bring true and lasting love and joy and peace to the journey of life and lead to an abundant and everlasting life. Well, today we're coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount series, but next week we'll have a little epilogue on faith and works and the importance of getting the order right. But today we'll heed the call to build our lives upon the rock and find true stability and security no matter what storms may come in life. Well, as we start, uh, I think just a few weeks ago of Hurricane Ian, which was a Category 4 hurricane, very serious, left devastation across uh, Florida and other southern states. And I just, I don't know about you, maybe you saw the same video, but I was on social media and saw like a time-lapse video of the storm coming in. And I think it was in Naples, Florida. And there were two buildings in this, this video. Uh, one was a hotel, and it was kind of made big hotel made out of concrete. And the other one was a kind of a typical smaller wooden house. Um, I couldn't really tell if it was a shop or a restaurant. It didn't really seem like it could be somebody's house on the, on the beach, you know, right there. But um, when the storm surge came in, uh, the water became so high, it reached basically whatever it was a security camera, eight, 10 feet in the air. Uh, when, it, when the storm surge receded and the water went back out to sea, uh, the hotel was there and the house was gone. Not just like knocked over or damaged, it was gone. Now sadly, everyone faces storms at times in life. Storms of various, various kinds, maybe literal hurricanes, but but more often, especially I think for us in Wisconsin, uh, more often uh, the storms of long-term illness or an unexpected loss, uh, storms of conflict in, in a dear relationship or even abuse or abandonment. In so many ways, these storms are just a part of life in a broken world, a, a world marred by sin and death. But some people are able to remain standing through the storms, while others are crushed or just never seem to recover. Like the house, they're just gone after the storm. Well, how can we, as we try and learn the way of Jesus, how can we remain standing? How can we endure the storms of life? Well, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, please take it and open it to Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24. And uh, Matthew 7, verse 24, we'll put the scripture on the screens for you as well, but we're going to read through a passage and then go back and kind of unpack it together 
this morning. And I hope this will be an encouragement for you. Matthew 7, starting with verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is God's word. So in the Sermon on the Mount, let's remember the context here a little bit. Uh, three months ago, we started this series, and, and I don't know if you, anybody remembers back that far, but Jesus is teaching his disciples, his followers, uh, what it looks like to follow his way. And as we said, it's unexpected. It's a totally different way of life than any other way. And so here, as he finishes his sermon, <laughs> this, this, one, this one sermon that we took three months to cover, uh, he, he gives us this vivid picture, another vivid picture of two ways to live. Now, this isn't the first time that he's given, painted this picture. Jesus has laid before us in the last several weeks two gates leading to two different paths, one that leads to life and the other that leads to destruction. He taught us that there were true and false prophets or teachers, true and false disciples or followers of his, some who bear good fruit and truly know God through a relationship with Jesus and those who do not. Now here, finally, there are two different foundations for life. So let's go back to verse 24 and let's work our way through this passage together. Jesus says, therefore, in light of everything that's come before, everyone who hears these words of mine, this, this message, and puts them into practices like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Okay, so let's pause here. So there are probably many lessons probably many countless lessons that we could take away from the teaching of Jesus. But this morning, I'm just going to give you three, okay? We're going to do two right away, and then I'll get to one a little bit later. Here's the first lesson. Number one, storms will come. It's an encouraging warning, right? Okay, let me encourage you with this hopeful message. Storms will come. Some of us have had a relatively easy life. Others of us have not. I know that. But regardless of your experience thus far, it is critical for you to understand that storms will come. If we do not expect difficulty or hardship or pain, we will be especially thrown when the storms come. Because not only will we be dealing with the storms, but we'll be dealing with the shock that we're experiencing something difficult. As C.S. Lewis wrote in an essay in the book God in the Dock, he said, quote, if you think of this world as a place intended simply for our happiness, you find it quite intolerable. <laughs> it's tough out there. But if you think of it, he writes, as a place of training and correction, and I would add growth, maturing, 
It's not that bad. Now, this is all about our perspective, right? Of what we expect for our lives. But Jesus says the rains will fall. The streams will rise. And the winds will blow against you at times. Life will not always be easy in following the way of Jesus. Even if we sacrifice greatly, even if we are really obedient to Christ. Sometimes there will be times of pain, great pain and suffering. Sometimes there will be fierce trials and hardships. You might even feel like at times your, your life is coming apart at the seams. This is the first lesson. But there's two more. So take heart. There's hope. This lesson helps us set our expectations for our lives according to reality. According to the truth. And this is, this is so helpful, friends. Nothing works in life unless it's aligned with reality. You can pretend for a while, but reality always wins in the end. It's funny how that works. For example, you can pretend that for a while that God's blessing in your life means that you'll have perfect health and wealth, that everything you touch will just prosper and flourish. That is until you get sick or you lose your job or you have real difficulty getting along with your spouse or, or you have uh, problems with a child or a business partner. Or, for example, you can pretend for a while that you have infinite energy and capacity like God, that you don't really have any normal limits of mere mortals. That is, until you burn out or you turn to addictions or other unhealthy coping mechanisms to deal with the burden of life. Maybe for years outside of your God-given limitations. All of a sudden, reality painfully corrects your make-believe world. But whatever happens as disciples of Jesus, we cannot say that we didn't expect some difficulty or other to intrude into our lives because Jesus is clear here. Obedience to his way does not provide an exemption to life's troubles and trials, to the struggles and the sin that mark this broken world. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't end here. In this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. Here's the second lesson. Number two, you can endure. When the storms come, your house doesn't have to collapse. You don't have to fall. You don't have to be crushed or overwhelmed. Now first, storms will come so we must be prepared. But second, there is a way to endure the storm. Now, we'll get to how we can endure the storm in, in just a second, but I don't, want to miss, I don't want us to miss the hope that Jesus is offering us here. Now, some people don't expect storms to ever come. They will. Don't be surprised. Jesus is clear. The Apostle Peter wrote later, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. 
We follow the way of Jesus, and the way of Jesus included the suffering and the humiliation of the cross. However, when you look at the driving rains or the depth of the streams or the strength of the winds coming at you, do not think that all hope is lost. Do not think that God has abandoned you in your pain and difficulties or that these things will last forever. They won't. He hasn't. For the follower of Jesus, there is always hope. Because remember, the path that led through the cross led to glory. For Jesus, crucifixion was only the first part of the story. There was also a resurrection. Jesus says there is a way to stand, to endure, to stay faithful and true and hopeful through the end. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Praise God. There is hope. Let's continue with verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So first, storms will come. But second, there is a way to endure. There is hope. There is a way to stand no matter what storms may come. How? How can we endure the storms of life? Jesus says, by listening to his teaching, by hearing these words of mine, he says. But that's not all. And here's the third lesson. Number three, endurance is learned in obedience. Jesus says we must not only listen, but obediently put his teaching into practice. We must learn his way, but we also must follow his way. We get very little benefit just learning about the way of Jesus and not actually following him in our lives. Jesus makes it absolutely clear that gaining more information alone is not the key to standing firm on the day of the storm. Maturity for a disciple of Jesus is not only about learning more and more information, whether it's spiritual information or biblical facts and information, Doing what we know to be true, practicing what we preach, this is the way to endure. Now, please hear me. I am a Bible guy. I'm not against Bible reading or Bible study. I would encourage you to do so and more and more as you get older. It's incredibly helpful. God's word reveals to us the truth about who God is and what he's done in the past and what he has promised for our future by his son and spirit. God's word reveals to us the truth about who we are and whose we are in Christ and, and the problems that we face and why the world is how it is today and what God is doing about it. There are many treasures in God's word, but increasing our knowledge of God's word is not enough. We see this in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. In the passage after Jesus rose from the dead, he came to his disciples and he commissioned, sends them out to the ends of the earth, saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and second, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now here, baptism represents the start of the journey of following Jesus, of hearing the gospel, of putting your faith in Christ and the new life that we have in him. It's the starting line for the race. But the whole rest of the Christian life, the whole rest of the journey of discipleship is described as teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So not merely teaching, not merely learning, but teaching to obey. So merely learning the way of Jesus is not enough. Following the way of Jesus in every area of life including our relationships, our work, our money, our identity, our sexuality, and more, every aspect of our lives. Friends, that takes the rest of our lives. But why? Why do you think that it would be obedient actions, not knowledge and wisdom alone, that would be a firm foundation, a rock for the more difficult times in life? Why would that be the way? Well, because... It's too late to sign up for swim lessons when you're already drowning. It's too late to develop the character and the skills and the relationships needed to weather the storm when you're in the storm. Good habits take time to develop and hone. Spiritual disciplines take time before they become our our first response or our, let's say, natural response perhaps supernatural response. Faith takes time to be practiced and tested and refined in regular life before it is hardened enough, strong enough to endure the most severe of trials. In other words, the foundation needs to be poured and the house built before the storms come. If we fail to listen to Jesus, we'll not be able to endure the storms because we won't know what is true or right or helpful and we'll flail about looking for answers from anyone without the ability to discern whether or not the answers are true, right, and helpful. But if we fail to obey Jesus, if we fail to put his words into practice, his truth into practice in our lives, we won't be able to endure the storms because our foundation will be too weak. And this is foolish, not wise. A fool fails to prepare for a storm that is coming. The Apostle James, the brother of Jesus, has much to say about these matters. James writes... Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't deceive yourself. Don't fool yourself. With no foundation, your house is built on sand and when the storms come, it will fall with a great crash. It won't be pretty. It'll be devastating. So here again, Jesus holds up before us two paths, two ways to live, one that leads to life and stability and hope, and one that leads to destruction. One with a firm foundation, a life built on the rock, and one with no foundation. Let's finish in verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. 
Well, now, I love this description because nobody taught like how Jesus taught. No one ever had the authority of Christ. No one had, no one, not even the best and brightest among us could compete or operate at the same level of Je- as Jesus. They, they, Matthew mentions the teachers of the law because they would have been the most religious, most Bible expert people, the theologians of their day, of anyone that they knew. And they said Jesus was like completely different than them. We've spent the last three months working through one of Jesus' sermons, and we've encountered some teaching that is as difficult as it is beautiful, (laughs) as hard as it is good. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's tough. I've talked with many of you about this because you're seeking to actually love people in your life, and it's hard and painful. It's costly. Treat others how you would want to be treated. None of us want to do that. We all want to be treated better than how we treat other people. We want priority status, VIP. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Again, nobody wants to do that. Commit yourself to forgiveness. That's hard. Work for reconciliation. That's painful. Value the life of every person. Every person, Jesus? Every person. Be faithful in marriage. Be a man or woman of your word. And on and on and on. The consistent description of people who who actually heard the teaching of Jesus in the Bible was one of amazement. People constantly asked each other, who is this? When they encountered him. Oftentimes, the second question is, who could do this? So if you've never come away reading the teaching of Jesus or hearing it with a sense of awe or shock or being astounded by his teaching, there's a good chance you might have missed what he was actually saying. No one is like him. Well, now, as we close our series from the Sermon on the Mount, of course, we won't really move on from the unexpected way of Jesus. That's what the rest of our lives are all about. We'll have our epilogue next week. And then we'll start a new sermon series from the epistles or the letters of the New Testament called Redeeming Regular Life. Friends, it's going to be just as challenging and beautiful as what's come before. But as we close today, I'd just like to invite you, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, as I think Jesus is inviting us to in his teaching here, to consider which path are you on in life? Are you on the path that leads to life? Have you entered through the narrow gate that is faith in Jesus? Have you made your foundation? Have you built your life on the rock that is Christ, both his word and his way. If not, then my invitation today is the same as every time I believe Jesus preached about his kingdom, which is repent and believe. Repentance means turning from your way, turning from your sins, turning even from your goodness, your awesomeness and turning to the way of Jesus. 
Believing means both believing the good news that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world and that God raised him from the dead and that he is alive today as the king of heaven and earth. But also, faith means that you trust him with all of your life, not just your salvation. I mean, think of it. Some of us struggle to, to trust Jesus with certain aspects of our life when we've already trusted him to save our life. We need help. <laughs> All of us need Jesus. So faith means you both believe in him and you trust in him in an active way throughout life, both in the good times and the bads, in the bad times, in the calm and in the storm. This is what it means to become a Christian, to repent and believe. And if you do so today, your sins will be forgiven. You'll receive eternal life in the kingdom of God. But even better, you'll start a journey with Jesus, empowered by his spirit as a child of his father. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will be with you even to the end of this age. Storms will come. You can endure because endurance is learned in joyful, costly obedience. Obedience to Christ, but also obedience with him every step of the way. Jesus, when he sends us out, he doesn't send us out alone. He sends us out and goes with. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you, God, for your great mercy and grace. Thank you for your steadfast love and patience with us as we at many times are foolish and other times, Lord, are outright rebels against you. And yet through all of this, Father, you have sent your son Jesus to be our Lord, to be our Savior, to be our leader, and to be the one who walks with us as well. Father, thank you for him. Help us to learn his way. And Father, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would give us the faith and the courage to actually do what he says, to follow his way and not just learn more about it. God, would you forgive us if we have mistakenly thought that growing in our knowledge is the path to maturity. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to see that we need to put some of this knowledge into practice. We need to do what we know is true. And in so doing, Father, we will see endurance. We will see stability and security. You will hold us fast. Father, I especially want to pray as we close for those brothers and sisters today who are going through a storm. I pray, Father, that you would minister to them, send aid to them, that you would surround them with both their Christian brothers and sisters, angels, and all the resources of heaven to lift them up and hold them fast in this time of trial, in this difficulty, in this pain. God, we look to you for healing. We look to you for life. And we look to you, ultimately, Lord Jesus, our rock, to hold us sure. We pray in your name. Amen.